from Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I'm Mark Quanstrom, and it is our privilege to continue the conversation with Dr. Beth Felker-Jones in our second part of a conversation about church and sin in the church. Okay, what do we do then with um, the, the call to be ambassadors for Christ with Christ's character? What do we do with, with the... I mean, some people don't go to... aren't a part of a church because they don't represent Christ very well. I mean, that's that's a real thing, right? There have been people hurt because those who profess don't live it, right? So how how much sin can the church accommodate? How far from the mark can the church fall and still be the church? How's that for a specific question? If the church is the body of Christ, it better be able to take on all the sin. Uh, there, there shouldn't be a limit because uh, Jesus has already done so. Um, and I think... The church is the church as long as it says, come here, come in. Uh, The Lord Jesus wants to make a life with you. The church doesn't cease to be the church by getting the liturgy wrong or uh, having an ugly argument in the choir or even having a great moral failure on the part of a trusted leader. Um, All those things are wrong, but... Jesus is big enough to work healing in all those things. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, first of all, th- your question reminded me of when I was a youth pastor and a teenager would inevitably ask, well, how far is too far? <laughs> Always, That's fine. Oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> Please just give me an answer. <laughs> how far is too far? Uh-huh. How much sin can the church accommodate? I know that's yeah. silly Let's, question. No, 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 no. But let's just return back for a moment to the Sermon on the Mount. All right. So the teachings of Jesus, you are the salt of the world. If a salt loses its saltiness, it will be thrown out. Right. And so will the one holy church be thrown out? No. Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail. All right. However, when Jesus is talking about the salt losing its saltiness, I think he was talking about practical implications of what happens when one stops stewarding well Mm -hmm. their godly influence and is hijacked by the world. It loses its saltiness. And so to a degree, we do see local churches dissolve. Mm -hmm. We do see um, pastors fall. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much sin can a church accommodate? Um, You're going to say zero. Yeah. You want to say enough? I want to say not a whole lot. Right. The salt loses its saltiness. Maybe we're both right. Yeah. Wait, how could, wait, <laughs> both right. What's that? What, so the church can't accommodate any sin at all, right? And what's the other part? All the sin, all of it. Oh, we can accommodate all there of it. There we go with the tensions. <laughs> they can accommodate all of it. 
um, yeah. because it's by the power of, of you know, God, uh, there's room to transform all of it. Well, and I think, too, where it gets at, again, is um, just we ought not, those of us who have influence, especially, especially. Okay. And by the way, like, Christians who who don't have a title um, that reflects something like a quote-unquote professional Christian, meaning like pastor, um, okay. Bible teacher. All right. They have influence in their spheres too. Right. Okay. So I guess okay. what I'm getting at is we have, like those of us who are Christians should never take lightly the influence and the authority that, or the power uh, that has been bestowed upon us Mm -hmm. um and it's back to your comment about cheap grace the church is a hospital for the sinners and that is the grace yeah we cheapen it when we bury the power and authority that god has given us it's just to steward for the good to be light to be salt and when we don't steward it well and when we bury it well it's thrown out tossed aside so is the church holy come lord jesus you know bonhoeffer you mentioned earlier um he has this bit that's really hard in um uh, life together uh where he gives a stern talking to to his reader um, asking us to love not the dream of the church, but the church. Yes, he right? does. Not the not the dream of the community, but oh. the community. Um, Why you got to go there? And I hear that's <laughs> what I'm, that's what I'm hearing in my head. And I I agree with what everything you just said, yeah. Jeremiah. Yeah. Like I believe strongly in the responsibility of every Christian and also of Christian leaders, right, to uh, truthfully reflect the goodness of Jesus in the yeah. in the world, but also. Um, this mess right here, right? It's it's the one we're called to serve. Um, mm. It's the one we're called to minister in and to love, not the one that we thought would be so much prettier or or nicer. We have to love the church that is, not a projection of the church that we have in our heads. We have to love the church that is, or we don't love right. the church, right? And that's yes. where we see people become disillusioned over and over right. and over again, whether right. they're so disillusioned that they walk away entirely and they go through this deconstruction thing. Or you have your local church Christian who goes on the church merry ground in the community and they're disillusioned by first church of the mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, saints. And they're like, ah, you know, this is ridiculous. Right. I'm going to the second church of the saints right. and then third church and fourth church. And eventually they run out of churches and. And so often what people are wanting there is not holiness, mm-hmm. but uh, precisely the kind of nursery schedule they were looking for mm-hmm. or just the kinds of songs they like the most, right? Um, and it's nice to have those things, but that's not what the church is called to be. Um, so every now and then I hear somebody say, I don't hear it so much anymore, but I hear every now and then I used to hear somebody people say, oh, if we could only get back to the first century church, if we could only get back to when the Holy Spirit was really active, right? And I And I... In my head, I think, have you read the New Testament? Yep. Mm-hmm. Have you read the New Testament? So the church at Corinth, for example, I don't, I don't know if we talked about this here or not. The church at Corinth, none, there's not a one of us that would go to that church. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, there, there is that church is so beneath. For every one, your one pastor of this. is really mad at you. <laughs> so I mean, that 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 church was a mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, c- celebrating sexual immorality as a as a as a gnostic affirmation of the indifference of flesh, right? And um, uh, uh, differences over ec- ec- economics. Coming to the sacrament drunk. Who would go to a church where people came to the sacrament drunk? I mean, that would take one time, and I'd say, hey, this is out for me. I'm out, right? I mean... Lawsuits with each other. I've They're... seen it, by the way. Anyway, go on. Yeah, but, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. So, and, and, and even doubting the central truth of our faith of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul had to address that cardinal doctrinal issue mm-hmm. at the end of his... We, there's not a one of us who would attend this church. Mm-hmm. Paul starts the letter by saying, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus yeah, and called to be holy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, he's okay. just he's just setting them up, yeah. right? He's just setting them up. He's playing nice on the front end so he can... Placating? Yeah, so he can <laughs> nail them at the end. No, that's not what he's doing. He's declaring a truth. Yeah. That they are holy people yeah. who are engaged in all kinds of behaviors that do not represent the Christ. Fortune, well, but, but that's not all he did, though. The one who is uh, indulging in sexual morality in a in a flaunting way, he said, yeah, "Sorry, he does. He, he, you got to excommunicate that one, mm-hmm. right?" Mm-hmm. So he wasn't indifferent to the sin of that church, but he wasn't naive to it, right? He called it out for what it was. And what's really interesting in a, what is it? Is it Clement's letter to the church of Corinth later, a hundred years later? Clement's dealing with the same issues a hundred years later to the church of Corinth. It was so funny when I read it. I thought, wait, this sounds like First Corinthians. Hmm. It sounds like nothing's changed in a hundred years, right? There's no pristine thing to go back to. The church before the Reformation, the church before the Great Schism, the church, the, the church has always been a mess. Because it's always been a place uh, for the cleaning up of messes. Oh, that's a really great sentence. The church has always been a mess because it's always been the place for cleaning up messes. I hope that's right. That's a great sentence. Yeah. So I've always thought it ironic that someone would say something along the lines of, I don't go to that church because they're so judgmental. I'm thinking... Who's the one sitting in judgment here? <laughs> I can't go to that church because they're not holy enough or as holy as I am. Um, I've always thought it a little ironic that the uh, very thing that those might they might accuse the church of is what they're engaging at the very moment of the accusation, which is the beam and speck parable that Jesus told or illustration. So the church is a mess because it's the place where messes are cleaned up. And I think if Paul says to you, you hey, you're sanctified, even while you're not acting like you're sanctified, I mean, it reminds me of my husband saying to our kids, don't forget you're a Jones, right? Right. (laughs) Like, they can't un-Jones themselves, even if they behave in a way that's unbecoming to Joneses. Right. Um, And uh, we are always not yet living into our full sanctification uh, but it's it's the truth about us. I guess I believe in the holiness of the church. Oh, you're gonna have to rewrite your book that you're writing. I'm a Protestant because I don't believe in the holiness of the church. Yeah, we'll get it. It has the last chapter still to go. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All that I said before, I'm modifying now. But your book is actually why you're Protestant. Yeah. Yeah. So why are you Protestant? 
Oh, for all kinds of reasons. I mean, you so to a degree, not to a degree, I mean, you really believe in the church. I do. I do. We're called to believe in the church. Okay, the other I want the other thing I want to say is the church. One of the analogies that is used in the New Testament is the church is the bride of Christ, mm-hmm. right? And the bride. I mean, I won't quote Augustine here. Was it Augustine? I won't quote what I'm thinking. I'm not sure I attribute it to Augustine, but um, Jesus loves his church. Yeah, is Jesus blind to his church? Is Jesus blind to the sin of the local congregation? No, he's not blind to it. He, he loves it still, right? Just as we love spouses and children, even though we're not blind to how they can be less than who, they, who they're called to be, right? Yeah, so I've always been anxious, and I haven't fulfilled this always, but I've always been anxious about dissing the bride of Christ. That's so that's where I was getting. And you know, I I I feel attention. I'm anxious about it. And what I what I'm especially anxious about it is how it's become a money-making machine. Oh, it's, there's boy. a we have a we have a TMZ out there of um people making money mm-hmm. off of dissing the church and that's where I just am, makes my stomach ill. Right. So I wouldn't take kindly to somebody saying to me, you know, your wife, your bride is pretty ugly. And and building a platform off of it. I I would so resent that. They would lose all credibility in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's because you don't love her. Okay. You know, you, you, you said before, I mean, is Jesus blind to it? You know, the answer of course is no. Um, not only is he not blind to it, but he's also not surprised by it. Oh, that's even better. He's not surprised by it. And he has a long view perspective that we we can't possibly have in the same way. Right. Right. Yeah. And actually, I think he tried to tell us that there would be trouble. Yeah. So, So the perfectibility of the church unrealizable expectation mm-hmm. right yes no say some holiness folks oh y- yeah are you sure you want to go there eschatological reality and the, that reality is both now and later i'm just throwing little theology cliches at you now but <laughs> okay but you got to expound on that one i need you to expound on that one oh dear yeah i, I think you know the church is what it will become um and uh, also is not yet uh, fully living out the truth of what it will become. Uh, that's the, true for individual Christians, and it's true for uh, the whole body. Uh, but I think to go back to Terabath's, you know, optimism, I mean, there is always a piece of that that's right here in the here and now. It's not only for later. That's uh, true. It it's, it's still is partly for later, but it's it's not only for later, and that really matters. Right. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's it is breaking in. It's repent and believe in the gospel. Um, And the church ought to be a visual representation or a foretaste. I mean, when Jesus told us to pray for thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, um, I didn't say pray for thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
eventually. But it's not really going to happen. It's not really going to like, happen. You won't see it until the resurrection. No, now. Here. So we need, oh, this would be so countercultural to the accepted perspective on the church, but we need advocates for the church. Yeah, I We think need so. people to start saying what's right with the church. Yeah, and not in a um, pitting up against right. those who are, because I, I'm so weary of polarization. Right. I'm so weary of pitting up, of pointing fingers, right. of tearing other people down I'm burned out you could say but I think that the building up of saying about what's right is simply doing it because goodness is happening I see the church that I pastor yes there's been hardship yes people say things I'm like oh boy that was rough um I see things I know the I'm you know, and maybe the reason why I am so hopeful of the church is because I am to a degree. I've seen, I've seen it, guys. I've seen it. Like, and I, I know I'm not surprised by the underbelly anymore. Right. I'm, I'm not. I'm like, oh, there she is. There's the ugly underbelly. Right. Um, I also don't think we should sweep it under the rug. Uh, and yet. And yet, every day, I see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, goodness, forbearance. All the things within the people that I pastor, I see compassion. I see people out there um, sacrificing so much time, um, money, um, gifts um, for the building up, for the good, for the edifying. Why? Because the love of God compels them. And I I see that. I have the front row seat to that every day. Amen. So you're still in the UMC church with all of the bad press the UMC church gets. You're attending a local a local UMC church. Love my church. You love your church. It's a United Methodist church, and you love your church. I do. Can you say it like that? You can just say, I love my church. I can. I can, I can say it. I love my church. Yeah. Terabeth says it all the time about her church. Oh, I love my church. I know you do. <laughs> And there's We're almost no... to a year anniversary. Oh, Our honeymoon man. is still going strong. Oh, that oh, was fast. We I know. <laughs> no way. It's a year? Uh, we're, we are about three and a half weeks out, three weeks out from a year. Wow. I can't believe it's yep. been a year. Yep. Okay. So I've been at College Church 10 years. Before that, I was campus pastor for four. So I'm, I'm looking to beat the longest tenured pastor at College mm-hmm. Church just to, just to say I did. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. and say, "Wow, that guy's so resilient." You know mm-hmm. how hard it is, church, mm-hmm. college, church is to pastor. Right, man, he <laughs> hung in there. Wow, that'll get me to heaven. That kind of vindication. <laughs> so, I I love college church. I love college church, and I want to say more than that. I love the church. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to say I love my local congregation. I can't imagine. I don't. I mean, everybody's. I mean, people my age start talking about retirement. I don't know what I would do without the church. I don't. I don't know what I. I don't know that I could be apart from College Church ever, and I'm not going to be the pastor forever. And so I think I can't ever leave these people, even when I'm not the pastor. But sometimes you have to if you're the pastor, right? So I love College Church that much, but I love the church. 
I, I love the I love the local body of believers where the word is preached and the sacrament is served and hospitality is expressed and people sing and hear the preached word from able and not so able pastors. I mean, there is a beauty there inherent in fallen people gathering together in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so here's what I'm wondering. I am now thinking about the listener, the lay leader, the pastor, the denominational leader who is in the thick of it. And because we happen to reach listeners who are near burnout. Correct. Who have been fired from the pastorate. Right. Who have degrown churches from 800 to 100. I know. Um, What's our word for them? Uh, I think that it they're okay i want to i got i know what i'm going to say i got to just say it right the sorrow they express and the grief they express is evident of their love for the church hmm. so every now and then i'll talk to a, a bereaved spouse who's lost a loved, loved lost a spouse and it's been 5 years or 10 years or 20 years and they say i I am still grieving as if it happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. I should be over it. I should be beyond it, right? You hear those kinds of things, mm-hmm. right? And I and my response is always, well, it really is just dependent on how much you love them. If you love them little, you'll grieve little. If you love them a lot, you'll grieve a lot. So the pastor who is no longer the pastor because of an injustice from the congregation and the point of these, I mean, I'm not, we, we don't want to minimize how hurtful churches can be in anything that we've said, right? Mm-hmm. But the, to the pastor who's no, and we hear it, we hear it from our listeners. Right. Right. The sorrow is expressive of the love mm-hmm. they have for the church, mm-hmm. even if they can't be a part of it. The, the grief is evidence of their love for the church mm-hmm. um, because because they they're no longer apart and i'm thinking the anger is typical of those grieving the anger is a cloak hiding the sorrow because the church is not our creation the church is christ's idea mm-hmm. the church was god's idea and the, so the church is the church will never not be even in even in the fulfilled kingdom the church will still be mm-hmm. right so what do we say to pastors who uh can no longer serve or pastors who have been hurt or people who have been hurt by the church uh let's acknowledge the reality of the hurt and the pain and the sin let's not deny the injustice but let's acknowledge that the pain is a consequence of their love for that church for the church and I think it'd be easier to not love. Um, and I would say to them, allow God time to redeem. Yeah, that's a good word. We have been hurt by the church. None of us are naive to the sin of the church, right? 
And I have come through probably the toughest three or four months of ministry in my life. I have, I have mourned more and been, and I mean, I've, in 40 years of ministry, you're going to be hurt by folks in the church. But I have been hurt by people in the church, and it's not pernicious, and it's not intentional. They don't mean to hurt me, but it's just what happens. Um, yeah, so I'm not speaking out of a honeymoon phase of me at college church. And and I appreciate you're saying you're on a honeymoon at the Lutheran church. I am, you know, boy, live that out the next 20 years, right? So none of us, none of us are naive to the pain and hurt of the church. And yet every Sunday, I look at that congregation and uh, we sang a, a praise to the Lord song, a glory be to God song. And a woman in the church who just lost her husband three months ago, 60-year marriage, was singing with tears rolling down her face. Thanks be to God. Praise be to God. Glory be to God. And I just acknowledged that that room was full of people who had reason to be angry and bitter and instead were expressing thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I am humbled every Sunday by the worship of God's people in a church that is like every other church, full of broken people, mm-hmm. messy people. Mm-hmm. So you can... You can love the church that hurts you. And maybe the reason you're grieving is because you love it so much. So we do believe in one holy Catholic church that is not necessarily one as we think it should be, that is not necessarily holy as we think it should be, that is not necessarily universal as we think it should be. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's true. It's stepping into the tension and the nuance without abandoning hopefulness yeah. and without abandoning reality. We have a calling, right? Um, it's not just a, a description of what we are now, but a calling to what we should be. So it might be helpful to see the church as it will be while we're dealing with the church that is. That this is not all there is. Yeah. That there's more. There's more. And God is always calling us to the more. Mm-hmm. So don't be surprised if you're having to deal with sin in your church. It's not a sign that anything is wrong. It's just a sign that it is a part of this world. Beth, you are going to say something. We're all sinners, everyone. In uh, a place where... We are with other sinners needing a new word of grace from our Lord. I mean, I, as you were just sharing those final thoughts, Mark, I couldn't help but think of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, but I press on. All right. I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. There you go. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Yeah. And Christ Jesus. The story's going somewhere, and let's keep pressing on to that one. That's not bad, Pastor Counsel, from the Apostle Paul. Right. Forgetting what is behind. Mm -hmm. 
and tra- pressing toward what is ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, friends, as always, we're we're grateful uh, for the ways that you lean in to the nuance, to the tension, to the very complicated conversation that is the church that we love so much, and we're also grounded in reality. And we remain hopeful and we press on. And so we don't know where you are today. We don't know what you're going through. We don't know what mess you're navigating. But I just am so reminded by the pastoral words from Mark and Dr. Dr. Jones here that the church is a mess because the church is in the business of cleaning up messes and putting messes back together. And the words of the Apostle Paul, pressing onward, moving forward to the prize that is heavenward. Uh, I don't know where you are today, but may those words give you hope. Uh, May you cling to that hope. And we believe in the work of the pastor, and we are hopeful that uh, this conversation will be a source of encouragement, perhaps a means of grace, perhaps a word that will enable and empower you to keep fulfilling the gift that the call of God on our lives is. Thank you, Dr. Beth Felker-Jones. It's so fun to have you here. Glad to be with y'all. Friends, may the Lord bless you as you go and serve.